You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Save the Marriage Podcast. This is the podcast that I designed to help you to save your marriage, restore your marriage, even if you're on the brink of disaster. And sometimes that disaster is caused by a crisis. And today we're going to face the question of what do you do about that midlife crisis? I'm going to come back to that. That's a question that somebody asked, and I want to respond. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about where this came from, this this whole podcast. What I recognized long ago is that many people are hurting and trying to work on saving their marriage, and sometimes they need a little extra help. The fact is that many times how we get into trouble means that we can't find our way out of it. Uh, Albert Einstein has uh, been quoted as saying that the same thinking that gets you into a problem will not get you back out of a problem. And so many times we recognize that. We know that we need something different, a new way of understanding things, a new way of thinking about things. And so what I try to do is help you do that by uh, giving you a different viewpoint, a different strategy, a new understanding, some way of approaching your crisis so that you can come to what I think everybody wants, where you both are in a marriage that you both are treasuring, that has warmth in it, that has connection in it, and that is not as one-sided as it often is when people come to me. Many times people come because they, at this point, are the only ones who are interested in saving a marriage. It's not always true, but it's often true that the other person has already said, you know what, I've had enough. Your spouse has said, I just can't keep doing this. Part of what gets us into trouble is people don't go into marriage understanding what what it's about, what the basics of the relationship are about, but that's also true about life. And that's part of what creates this scenario that we're talking about today, the midlife crisis. I've heard many people say, oh, there's no such thing as a midlife crisis, or they make jokes about it. And I haven't met many therapists who will say there's no such thing as a midlife crisis because we've seen it up close and personal. I think the the real fact is that many times people kind of look for some um, proof of this through surveys. And the fact is that what's going on behind a midlife crisis is something that many people face. They just don't know how to understand it. So let me just talk about this question. So first of all, just to remember, I do try to answer uh, listeners' questions. And if you've got a question, I call it the Goldilocks question, right? One that's uh, not too specific, uh, but also not too broad. And that's that's kind of the, the Goldilocks, you know, not too hot, not too cold. And uh, I don't worry about too hard. Give me some hard questions. I don't mind that. But we've got to find that midpoint of a question that helps us to move forward, but at the same time applies to more than just you. So the Goldilocks of this, sometimes people say, well, how do I save my marriage? You know, I've devoted, gosh, now into the third decade of helping people work on their relationship. I've written books, created programs, created systems on doing that. And so if you say, how do I do that? I can't explain all of that in 15 to 20, 25 minutes. That's that's a big topic. And then if you give something that is just so nuanced, so much of your own personal information, sometimes that's really a coaching question that you want to cover with somebody. And, and sure, it needs an answer. It's just that I can't answer it 
on a podcast that is going to be listened to by so many people. This podcast has now been downloaded over four and a half million times. So lots of people are listening. And if it's too specific, that's where you need some individual help. I try to answer a question that is uh, kind of broad enough to apply to lots of people and yet not so broad that I can actually make some difference in the time we have together. So let's jump into this question. The question says, how do you stay the course to fight disconnection during a spouse having a midlife crisis affair? So first of all, let's talk some about the midlife crisis because the affair part is just one more layer to it. So we have we have actually three layers to this. First of all is the disconnection in the relationship. The second thing is a midlife crisis. And the third thing is the infidelity, right? So they all fold into each other. And in reality, it's kind of what creates the whole mess. So let's talk a little bit about this midlife crisis. Understand that there is a difference between a midlife crisis and a midlife marriage crisis. The difference is in the disconnection. Many people have a midlife crisis, but if they are in a secure relationship, it doesn't have to turn into a midlife marriage crisis. If they're in a connected relationship, it doesn't have to turn into a midlife marriage crisis. So let's just very quickly, uh, I've talked about this in uh, my Thrivology podcast. And if you're interested, you can head over to thrivologypodcast.com and just do a search for midlife crisis. And you can listen to multiple episodes where I talk about uh, what is a midlife crisis, how do you understand it, how do you diagnose it, how do you get beyond it, and, and all those other pieces. So I just want to cover this kind of briefly here. A midlife crisis is actually an existential crisis. It comes from the question of what's left and what have I done? What's left of my life and what have I done with my life? That's the, the hallmarks of a midlife crisis. And generally it comes along, you know, midlife is a, it's kind of a weird um, time to, to kind of put a point on. What, when does it start to be a midlife? Well, midlife obviously is beyond, you know, when somebody is a young person and it usually ends before they're an old person. But what does that look like? Well, that depends on your own perceptions. Most people generally think of midlife as being somewhere in the 40s and 50s. Now, obviously, that's beyond midlife. Uh, most people aren't going to make it into their 90s. Hopefully, that didn't just trigger some <laughs> midlife crisis thinking. But you know, we, we kind of pick this point when life has gone on far enough that you recognize that the days are actually numbered. They've been numbered all along, and we don't know how many numbers there are to it, right? And so we have to face the fact that there is this endpoint that nobody gets out of life alive, and we don't know when that, that time comes, which is part of why a midlife crisis sometimes comes earlier for some people and later for other people. And for many people, it's kind of bump in the road. It's kind of a, a reassessment. Maybe they hit midlife and they go, maybe I want to make a career choice, an, a career change that's going to get me to something that feels more meaningful, has more depth to it. And that can be a simple resolution. For some people, it, it turns into you know, what many people caricature. They uh, suddenly realize that days are numbered and they want to find new relationships and new cars and new hobbies and new clothes and new looks and try to escape the fact 
that the end is somewhere out there, right? They, they want to become ever young and as if that's possible. And so they try to recapture their youth. It's, that's kind of a, a folly mission, right? Because there's only so much you can do to try to act younger. It does nothing to change kind of the end result. And so part of that is just trying to cover up the pain of recognizing that days are numbered. And so the question is, how many days do I have left? And what have I done with my life? That existential question can fall into lots of different uh, results for people. Some people do that uh, kind of a caricature midlife crisis thing where they you know, buy a sports car and take up new activities and find new friends. Generally, that is trying to pretend like there is no end. And then there are those who really are asking the question, what does this all matter? What's it all mean? What's left for me? What do I, am I going to do? And so generally there is a trigger to this. It may be age or a scare. And so just kind of to understand age, you know, there comes a point for all of us when we start going, I'm on the decline in some way. And in reality, that's been true since people are in their 20s. There is something of a decline. But at some point, you, you notice it more. You know, maybe it's your, your knees are hurting more. There's more creaking in your body. The back is hurting. You, know, the, you, you see the strains on your face. The wrinkles are showing up. Whatever it is, it could be age just hitting that point. For some people, it's a crisis because maybe they're getting to the point when maybe a parent died or something like that that kind of reminds them of that. So age is a factor or a scare. It could be a, your own health scare. It could be a health scare or loss of a friend or a loved one or uh, something like that, that that triggers an awareness that things happen, right? That we don't have even tomorrow promised. And, and so part of what happens in, is it suddenly makes you ask the question, so what about me? You know, what have I done to here? That's the midlife crisis. So then there is the question of whether you're going into it as we or me into a crisis. So let's say that a couple is pretty secure. They stayed connected. They have a good marriage. It's a supportive marriage. And the midlife crisis comes up. You face it together. How do we plan our future? What is it going to look like that has more meaning and depth to it? What makes it more significant? And then it's just a midlife crisis. And I don't mean to minimize that, but it's only a midlife crisis, not a midlife crisis and a midlife marriage crisis. But if you've been disconnected, if you hit the pause button along the way, which is very common for couples to hit the pause button while you're doing the kids or the job or whatever else, if you've done that, then suddenly you have not just the midlife crisis, but the marriage midlife crisis, midlife marriage crisis. And generally, if that is true, if your spouse is in a midlife crisis and you've been disconnected, you need to work on building the connection. And part of what you're doing during that time is offering the listening ear of the person who's struggling with that crisis to try to be that listening ear, that sounding board, because there are two places where you can connect. And I talk about this in, in my, my system. I talk about these two levels of connection, spiritual connection and emotional connection. 
Spiritual connection is where you talk about what matters to you, what's important to you. And a midlife marriage crisis is, functions in that area. It's a, a crisis in meaning, and meaning fits into our place of, of the spiritual spot and of our, of our life. And so spiritual connection is talking about what's important to you, where do you want to make things go, and how do you want things to go. So there's an opportunity in that listening ear for spiritual connection and for emotional connection because feeling lost, uh, feeling like you're not sure what to do, all of that is still stuck in the realm of emotional connection, knowing that somebody is hurting. Now, one thing to be clear about is that if a spouse is having a midlife crisis, the connecting process that I talk about, connecting, reconnecting, healing the connection, it's still the same as it would be if there was not a midlife crisis. It's just that the midlife crisis is a complicator. It's a barrier. We ask the question at multiple points in our life, who's going with me on my path of life? Who's going with me? And so if you're connected with your spouse, who's going with me? You're answering with my spouse. If you're disconnected, then it's an open question. Who's going with me? And so many times in the midst of a midlife crisis, people go searching for another relationship. That's when these affairs also come into place uh, because they're looking to figure out who's going with me. The thing about it is many times those are ill-fated affairs because they're based in crisis, first of all, and because they're, they're faith, if, if the, your whole point of a midlife crisis is trying to figure out what's important, what matters, what's you know, at its core the most true for you, and yet the affair is based in dishonesty and deceit, those generally don't hold together real well as the crisis continues. And so one of the things that is often true about a midlife crisis-fueled affair is that it runs out of fuel. It, it runs out of, of you know, t- space for it to expand because it is so based into the crisis, which means that one of the places we have to stand is in patience and understanding. Because truly, a midlife crisis is a painful crisis for people. I've walked through with many people and it's so horribly painful until they get to the end and discover their meaning and their purpose, what matters in life. Once they find that, suddenly it becomes more fulfilling. And, and one of the things that um, many people don't do ahead of time is try to figure out what's important to them. If people live a life of importance, many times a, a, mere, a midlife crisis is just kind of a, a short period of time where they're trying to figure out, is this really the path I want to be on? But they've already kind of established it. It's for those who have not asked the question and certainly not answered the question ahead of time where it gets to be a problem. So one of the things you can do is be patient and wait. There's not much else you can do. You can make your requests. Uh, One of the things that I would recommend is making sure you understand the whole process of infidelity and why affairs happen and, and how to recover from that. So I have a book. It's called Recovering from the Affair. Recovering from the Affair. You can find that at theaffairbook.com, theaffairbook.com. It's a great one to work through on your own. And as your marriage is moving forward for both people to work through. Um, and, and so part of that, that whole piece of how do you deal with an affair is true in a midlife crisis. It's just that you're also dealing with the midlife crisis along the way.
One of the things I suggest is that you focus on your own meaning in this process. Because what you're kind of doing is becoming a beacon for, for others, but in this case for your spouse, to see as you're doing things that matter to you, that are meaningful, to talk about your place of meaning and purpose can help become kind of contagious. They see that as a beacon to take them through the darkness of lost meaning. And you can be the light of meaning to help them see that that's a place to orient around. They don't have to have your meaning. They don't have to find the same things meaningful as you do. They don't have to find the same um, kind of path. But the path to meaning is the path to meaning. How we get there, right? What we have to go through and, and what makes a difference along the way, that can vary from person to person. It just takes us through that path of meaning. So focus on your own meaning along the way to see if that helps. And the last thing I would suggest is make invitations to legacy. In the end, I mean, that's what this is about. A midlife crisis is asking, what has my life meant? And pieces of that are about what will it mean when I'm not here? You know, what legacy am I leaving for my family, for my kids? And if you invite people into building legacy, sometimes they recognize that being in, involved in those midlife crisis kind of pieces, like an affair or acting out, isn't much of a legacy they want to leave. The legacy of what do we want to leave for our kids is a central question that is only answered by solving the midlife crisis. So make invitations to legacy. You know, what do we want to do uh, around uh, our kids and family and uh, community and everything bigger than just us? The midlife crisis resolves when we actually, ironically enough, look beyond ourselves. A midlife crisis comes because we're asking ourselves, what does this all matter? We resolve by saying, how do I serve the greater good? How do I serve the, the better good of the world, of, of those around me, and lose myself into creating meaning from there? So just to wrap it up, a midlife crisis is something that many people will face, big ones or little ones. Midlife marriage crisis is the complicator when it's a disconnected relationship. A midlife crisis affair comes as a result of the disconnection in the relationship that creates a vulnerability just like in any other affair, but is compounded by it's an attempt to solve the, the midlife crisis in, in a broken way. And you want to work through that by asking your, your own place of meaning. You want to also make invitations to legacy with your spouse. You want to still work on that same connection process and part of it is just understanding uh, midlife crisis in general. So again, uh, go to Thrivology.com or Thrivologypodcast.com, Thrivologypodcast.com, and search for uh, midlife crisis. Then check out my book on recovering from the affair at theaffairbook.com. That's theaffairbook.com. Hey, do you have a question? Something you want to know? Well, you can send it to podcast at savethemarriage.com, podcast at savethemarriage.com. If you've got a question you want to see if it's a, a good Goldilocks question for me, please send it there. And if you need help with your marriage, check out savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. 
For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.